Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s. It's Christmas, I can say this. So Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. My name's Ash Rose, your host and your guide on this, the last episode of the year, the Christmas episode of the original 1990s football podcast. And I'm sure hanging all the decorations up in the football tavern is Ed Chambers. How's the, how's the festive pub looking at your end? It's all looking. It's all looking good, mate. It's all looking very good. Uh, I know you're uh, you're Mr. Christmas, and I can see your uh, front room at the moment. It's got a nice uh, Christmas tree in the background. All looking very, very festive. Um, yeah, no, it's um, Christmas has just seemed to have crept up on us, hasn't it? I think in my head it's still October. Um, <laughs> so there's still. I know, I know. And there's still there's still a few um, there's still a few things I probably need to get out and buy. To be perfectly honest with you, but. Hey, Christmas, Christmas is here. I mean, Christmas was a lot more simple when you were a kid, wasn't it? I mean, you just, you just relaxed and Santa turned up. But uh, as an adult, I find Christmas quite stressful. To be honest. Oh, it's stressful. I mean, we've been quite good this year. We're, we're pretty much done and wrapped last week, which is very... Yeah. Oh, wow. No, I I've, I'm a... I'm I'm a uh, I'm an eight o'clock on Christmas Eve kind of guy, um, and uh, yeah. Although my daughter said the other day that she wanted to leave out uh, the old traditional milk yeah. and carrots and all that for the reindeer and a bit of Christmas cake, and I said to her, "Why don't you leave out a big bit of Christmas cake?" Oh, that's a good idea. Knowing, yeah, knowing, you know, I don't want to ruin this for any children or any, you know, any non-believers out there. But uh, it's uh, I'm really looking forward to eating that. So yeah, uh, exactly. No, I was so, yeah. because as you know, I'm big advocate and for advocate for car in as in snowball so i'm also like, maybe saying i like to snowball at christmas mm. uh, no milk and cookies which is fine yeah yeah, but, yeah. yeah. maybe stuff. santa maybe santa likes a brandy just before <laughs> he uh, drives yeah. off it's all right drinking and driving when you've got a sleigh is all right it's okay apparently. it's magic it's fine yeah, yeah exactly so well, uh, weird rabbit hole here. um i was thinking actually i put this on twitter yesterday um like night like 90s football presents i always oh yeah as well, and I've Googled the hell out of this. I've never been able to find a picture of it. I know it exists. I can still remember it. One of my first, like, big Christmas presents I can... Well, not big, but part of my Christmas presents I can remember was obviously a QPR kit. I got that pretty early on, which was right. the Brooks QPR kit. So about 92, I think that was one of my first QPR kits I got for Christmas. But I also got this, like, this Brian Robson Sondaco football, which was, like, black... Like completely yeah. black, which is a bit weird in them days because as, as you, as you uh, footballs were just white, but I had a, like it was a black football and it had his autograph on it, like printed, like yeah, because he, yeah. he was sponsored at Sondaco at the time. And I found pictures yeah. of his gym pads. There's those classic ads of him and Russian Minica dressed in like gangster outfits. There must have been a whole part of that range, but I've never been able to find a picture or or even an example of this football because I played with it like all Christmas. It was like the first proper football I remember playing with, probably. Football. Yeah. So if anyone remembers it, I've got pictures, or still got one out there. <laughs> I want a Brian Robson Sondaco football, please. Yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. You should, it's funny you should mention uh, Brian Robson in that um, in those terms. I, yeah. So I think I think it was Christmas 1990. I it was that year that I'd started to play football, yeah. like in a, like a little team, you know, like an under sevens or under eights or whatever. And um, I caught a pair of Brian Robson shin pads. Oh, for Christmas, I found those. As, yeah. So, but I thought, I thought that Brian Robson would be a crap advert for shin pads because he was always injured. Now, I appreciate it wasn't always to his shins, but he's kind of like the the sort of warrior guy that probably didn't have really big shin pads. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure my mum and dad got me those. And then I think my uncle also, without obviously speaking to my mum and dad, 
got me Ian Rush shin pads as well. I'm pretty sure I had Ian Rush shin pads. It's like, it's just like Ian Rush wasn't a sort of player that you just think, whoa, shin pads. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so Ian Rush shin pads. But um, I think I think this present was definitely more for my dad. I think one of my first footballing presents I can remember getting, um, I did get the England kit yeah. about six months too late, I think. <laughs> but um, I got um, Subutio. Of, of so it. I got, I got yeah. the, I think, actually, I think I saw it in your feed yesterday. I think yeah. it was with Rude Hullet on the front. I can tell you yeah, that was from the Rothmanians on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, it was Rothmanians. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great guy. Um, it was from, um, yeah, it was from there. And it was, uh, yeah, it was Rude, yeah, Rude Hullet, I think, playing in Euro 88. But it was, yeah, so I got the pitch and all the figures. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, my old man gets all these old, <laughs> uh, ones from the 60s out you know like they, they were in these sort of green boxes and yeah, the, the yeah, goalkeepers yeah. were very different to the button they were a lot harder the ones yeah. in the older days um so and then suddenly um it was up and playing and then after a little while my um my dad said all right you can we'll, we'll create a league but we won't create um you know a big league because you know there's too many teams so we'll just have eight teams and um and then not long after that, the Premier League got announced. So I thought that my dad had vented the Premier League <laughs> um, because he called it the Super League. Okay. And I was like, a Super League sounds a bit, yeah. you know, Premier League, you know, there's only a few teams in it. Oh, you know. So, um, yeah, for a, I didn't know what my dad did for a while, for a living. He, I know he went to work in a suit yeah. and then came back in a suit. So I just thought he went off and created the Premier League, to yeah, be honest with you. The Premier League or the FA, no. no, unfortunately not. It wasn't, it wasn't even half as cool as that, sadly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Going into Toys R Us when I was a kid. And oh, mate. Because oh, obviously being yeah. a fan, there's such a... A unique kit for that type of thing. Yeah, like you, have your, you have like you know the blues and the reds that are pretty standard for the teams because we had obviously blue and white hoops, not stripes. Yeah, and it used to have the teams on the packet that it could be, and I think it was yes, like a QPR Reading, and I think Greenock Morton used to be. Like <laughs> I mean, I'd Greenock. never heard of that. I didn't even know that was a real thing when I was a kid. But yeah, that's, I remember that's, having that's that. Probably uh, there's probably someone in Greenock sitting there now going, "I had that, and they were yeah. my team." <laughs> yeah. um, if they are listening, um, but yeah, I, I remember sort of you know, West Ham and Villa would kind of double up as the yeah. same, um, you know, and, you know, the Blues could basically be anything from Everton, Chelsea, Birmingham. Oldham, yeah. Birmingham, yeah, I mean, anything blue, basically. Yeah. And then it, I think it went continental at one stage. I think there was a Inter Milan kicking about and, and yeah. what have you. But, um, yeah, those were the days, weren't they? And then and then Commodore 64 playing a Graham Sooness soccer manager. Yeah, oh, those were the days. Merry Christmas. Yeah, with a couple of those we've had on Twitter was Henrik's headband says "Pro Action Football," which was kind of like the next level up from Sabuya. That was the one where you hit the head and the. Oh was... yeah, yeah, yeah! I remember that. Yeah. yeah, it didn't really. I don't think it really ever took off properly. I think it was only around. Yeah. I think people tried to reinvent the wheel a little bit. That yeah, part. definitely. Um, there was a lot of. Um, I mean, let's be honest. There was a lot of crap. Oh yeah, these football games. Um, I mean, there's things that I can't even describe them now. But yeah, I had one that was a bit like, um, you know, like air hockey. Oh yeah, yeah. There was like ones like that, but but with sort of footballers on a sort of air hockey. It was rubbish. Yeah. But it, you know, it it was, you know, it was great to receive stuff like that. Was Super Cup football, which is obviously the king of. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the holy grail. It sounded like as loud as the loudest Hoover that you've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, my mum, my my mum refused to buy that, but the kid across the road, <laughs> the kid across the road had one, which we could probably hear it. We could probably hear it from their house. So um, I used to go over there and play it. 
Yeah, Dave Gorman's book Gaza, the board game, which I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, I, remember I had it, that, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. it about, but it's probably one of the rare Gaza things that I didn't have. I had a board game, I think I put this on Twitter before. It was called the Football League board game, and you had like yeah. a, you had a green pitch, and if you answer a question correctly, you moved the little ball. Yes, I had that, pitch. yeah. I think you had yeah. John Barnes on the cover. Bizarrely yeah, it did. One of those friendly football league versus Europe game pictures must be the only picture they could legally copyrighted to get on the front. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I remember that. I think I think my mum and dad basically spent twelve months of the year going around car boot sales buying yeah, this sort of stuff and then yeah. and then stocking it up for Christmas. Yeah. So I make it sound like I was really spoiled, but I think basically they cost about a pound each. But yeah as well yeah. and the gas thing seems to be quite common on twitter when everyone everyone finds it they always go but we didn't really understand it like right. no one knew what the rules were right. or what to do it was a bit well, it was just something that gas i had a gas name chelsea to. but i don't know if that was of christmas I remember oh that. yeah 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 shell suit i mean that's just i mean even the phrase shell suit is just 90s isn't it a multi-colored shell suit yeah it very much was a couple of others on this someone said own goals and gaffs which obviously that was a standard yeah. christmas one um, yeah, about football 94 95 Wrexham shirt, which obviously football shirts were always. As well. I mean, well, we all had one of them, yeah, surely. Well, well, Ryan Reynolds clearly did because he knew one day that he would buy the club. Yeah, yeah weird. So, um, oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, should we talk about today's show? <laughs> I suppose we should, really. Um, yeah, um, this, I mean, this is something we recorded, we must say, off the bat a few weeks ago. So, there is slight, there is a slight World Cup conversation that might seem a little bit dated with this guest. Um, but we, as, as always, it's been a busy, busy time trying to fit in shows and work and all, all the usual excuses we come up with but we thought we'd put it today as our last show of the year um he's some it's, it's a footballer Ed, that you mentioned quite a lot on the football tavern and it just kind of screams 90s does even though actually talking to him he was more of an 80s player but for mm-hmm. us growing up in those early 90s he's just one of those names isn't he absolutely yeah so uh the name in question in case people haven't read the uh yeah. the intro is uh is uh, Robert Rosario, which is uh, which is fantastic. I mean, you know, we, we did set ourselves a challenge, didn't we, yeah. this year to find to find Robert or Bobby as he prefers to be called, which you'll see on the call. But um, he, uh, yeah, what a lovely guy as well for a start to start with, um, fantastic guy. But yeah, early nineties footballer. I, I mentioned in the um, I mentioned as part of the part of the interview that he first came to 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 my attention in part of the race for the championship. A video of 8990 which a lot of people would perhaps listening may have had but basically yeah and, and basically he scored a goal against Villa which made, meant that Villa dropped two points and Liverpool won the league and of course Liverpool then went 30 years without winning the league so he technically was the last person to have won the league for Liverpool yeah. um until that 2020 time um but yeah I mean it was just it's great you know it's a great name he's got great you know great memories great insight um so you know just he's played with some really good, yeah, good players um talking to him it's uh yeah and yeah yeah and and managers as well i mean he talks about um bobby gould you yeah. know and um i mean i've personally i've heard bobby gould's quite up to a marmite character you either love yeah, his yeah. management style or you don't um, which is which is fine. That's just the way it should be, really. Um, so yeah, it was lovely. Really nice to talk to him. And I think I think he's the only chap we've ever interviewed that's actually took time afterwards to email you to actually thank so you for thank your you. thank yeah. you, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Well, I hadn't heard an interview with him or seen an interview with him. No. So I think this was. I'm not saying it's a bit of a coup, but I don't think he's spoke 
about his football career for a long time. So I think, mm-hmm. in a way, he may have been a bit cathartic for him to, to talk about. Yeah. I know he really enjoyed it. So let's see if you do too. Um, so this would be our final farewell for this year. So to everybody listening, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Hope you have, you know, you know the best sort of time. You want to say something, Ed? I can see you. I was going to say, are we not just going to briefly mention the final of the World Cup? Oh, yeah, we were going to talk about the World Cup, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. let's talk about that. Oh, no, we don't. Mate. Oh. No, that's why not. Let's, let's yeah. do it, because we said we were going to do it. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's. I feel a bit weird about it now, because it feels like it was a big dream. Like, so we're yeah. a, like, <laughs> yeah. a couple of days after the final, and I'm like, did yeah. we? Like, I literally did some work on the Leicester... MK Dons match last right. night. It's kind yeah. of like <laughs> exactly, yeah. What just happened? Yeah, I just I switched on Sky Sports News and I was like, why? Why is Southampton playing Lincoln? Like, why? <laughs> why? You know, didn't didn't like the World Cup just finish half an hour ago? Uh, I, mean, but I mean, you know, the, yeah. the finish the finish to it. I mean, you know, from from England, um, England going out, um, you know, very disappointing. But England would have made the final, in my opinion, ahead of day one against France. But the final itself, I mean, was pretty straightforward for 80 minutes and then suddenly, bang, um, it, you know, it, it really did take off. I mean, the, but Argentina managed the game spectacularly well for 80 minutes until Otamende decided to do what Otamende does every now and then and lose his head a bit. And then Mbappe's, you know, the second goal was just fabulous. So, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a good well. Apart from the first week... You know, the first week was poor, I thought, yeah. but the, the rest, the rest of it was was really, really good. Yeah, uh, with the final, I kept like, like, so I watched it. I watched it at home, um, which is rare watching it at home with my wife and kids. Um, yeah, because my six year old constantly asks questions, which yeah. is fine because I want to tell her. But when it's you know <laughs> the depths of a penalty shootout and she's yeah. going, Why are you doing this? Why are we yeah. doing? This? Um, <laughs> yeah. which was a, a new experience but I, I just I, all I kept saying and I'm my poor wife who had to listen to my like literal just over the topness of the final but the na- like you can't write narratives like in football that just pit like they just don't like they're so organic like the whole Lionel Messi narrative and the whole yeah. tournament like that crescendo I mean I love that shot of him on Aguero's shoulders mirroring Maradona from 86 yeah like I don't even know if that was intentional, but like now yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's almost beautiful to see. And just, I was going to the final, games, like, you know, you've got Messi and you've got Mbappe and it, it was all about them. And often these finals don't live up to it, but yeah, if you mean it, it didn't. But then those two protagonists really did, they were the centre yeah. of everything. And there was just so many narratives, like, you know, Kylian Mbappe could have won two World Cups at 23. I know. Been that's... The first person to do that since 66, which is kind yeah. of what been forgotten in it all yeah, i know it's insane it's it is absolutely insane. insane the whole yeah. the whole thing the whole thing was insane and, and i don't know if you've seen it on twitter but there's a there's a it's like a footage from a drone um as the final penalty is being taken oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's like the, the the street is empty yeah and then suddenly you hear the roar of the goal and the the bars all empty and people are out celebrating and i'm thinking you lucky, lucky yeah. bastards. Because will will we ever know? I mean, what I that feels like as soon as England went out, I said that I will never see England win a major tournament. And oh, don't lose the faith. I, I don't know. I I feel like twenty twenty and this was the best shot we've ever had. Like I, I think we could have won in ninety. I think we could have won in 98, 96, yeah. Obviously, yeah. But, but I think I genuinely think, especially to obviously twenty, because we were in the final and we were two penalties yeah. doing it. Yeah, but this team is. It's bloody good. Like, yeah, it's I, so good. Yeah, I, I, I beat, yeah, beat, beat France, and I think, I yeah. think England, I think England could have beaten that Argentina side. But listen, we'll never know. 
um, we'll never know. So we we move on to 2024 and then 2026. So, and I'm glad um, Gareth's doing one more. I know there's a lot of Gareth haters out there, and I get the, some of the counter arguments of yeah, in big um, games against big teams. He tends to his in-game management isn't as good as we needed it to be in those yeah. games. But, I, but I'm willing to give him one more shot. Like you've got absolutely, one absolutely. I mean, I was. I was far removed from thinking what I do, what I feel now, if you know what I mean. Three weeks ago, I, I was kind of like, this has to be his last tournament because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's time for a new a new broom as long as they keep the Club England mentality, which I've quite liked that Southgate's done. But he, um, you know, they didn't really put too many, too many, you know, f- foot wrong in the, in the yeah. tournament, really. So I, I think. I think he deserves. I think he deserves one last one last go at least. In um, well, you told me earlier on it's Germany. I didn't even realise. Yeah. So in the in the Euros, I mean, well, because I mean, it's only eighteen months away as well. We haven't got a usual. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that'd be that'd be great, wouldn't it? Reach the final in in Germany yeah. and win it. Win it. We'll finally, avenge nineteen ninety six. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I mean, and well, it's not the Euros, but and that penalty shoot out in uh, yeah. Turin as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah so. Listen, you know the World Cup was was brilliant, and now we're back to um, now we're back to club, back yeah. to club, fo- club football. It's um, a weird feeling, but it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's strange. Um, anyway, we've um, we've we've gone on far too long in this intro. That's that's talk to Robert Rosario. There's a lot to talk about. It's Christmas, it's World Cup. Um, so um, yeah, here it is. So this is, as I said, it's a Merry Christmas. I'm sure Ed, you will pass on your Christmas regards to everyone. I will indeed. Merry Christmas to one and all. Thank you for listening to us this year. Uh, mum and Ash's mum and Stu's uh, footy flashback. And that's yeah. about it, really. Uh, no, seriously. And <laughs> yeah. um, thanks, thanks to everyone for for that. And um, Merry Christmas. Yeah, and I know all the regulars, you know, all the pre- all the nineties accounts. That I think there's more than ever now as well. I know. Between, yeah, it's like it's nice. This little family that have all come together that have. Yeah it's, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? It's cool. So, like, without getting too emotional about it, let's wish everyone <laughs> a Merry Christmas. We'll Apart see- from Ronald Koeman, the oh, utter what, yeah, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Ronald. Merry Christmas, Ronald, uh, you bastard. We'll see you in 2023, but here is us talking to a 90s name. Or not, I was going to say legend, but it kind of is in terms of 90s football. Here is Robert Rosario. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Joining us now on Alive and Kicking, a real blast from the past name that, you know, when we talk about 90s football, it always comes up. We always get that name mentioned and we always like, what's he doing now? Well, we've got him on the show. We wanted to speak to him because we had to get the best guests here on Alive and Kicking. So it's a warm welcome to former Norwich, Coventry and Nottingham Forest striker, Bobby, or as we knew him at the time, Robert Rosario. How are you doing, Robert? Or Bobby as we uh, now you. I'm doing well, thanks, Ash. Really good speaking to you this morning. Yeah, because you're now in, so is it Charlotte you're in now, I believe? Yeah, so uh, I'm living here in Charlotte now. This is uh, coming on 25 years now. Um, So I've spent most of my time in in, uh, Greensboro and in Charlotte, which is North Carolina. And then uh, one of the most beautiful places you can live is a place called Charleston in South Carolina. Just an amazing place. So, yeah, I've been real fortunate living in such a beautiful place. 
Oh, good stuff. Because you, you ended your career, which we'll, you know, we'll touch on later. But that's kind of, is that why you, you were played in the, what was the beginnings, I suppose, of, of, the, of the soccer league out there? Yeah. So uh, when I originally came out here, I had um, suffered a, 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 a bad knee injury, um, something called chondromalacia patella, which is just complete wear and tear uh, from just, you know, the abuse of playing the game, uh, the physicality of it. And, uh, and then so the chairman had a son out here who owned a, the pro team here. And it was uh, there were two leagues over here, the MLS and the A-League, and they, they were just starting up. So it was like 96, 97. Um, and uh, the team was called the Carolina Dynamo and it was here in Greensboro and I, I actually came out here um, to rehab had to go back for an operation come back again and I actually retired um, and came out here with the uh, idea of coaching <laughs> and they conned me into playing for about four or five years uh, living on painkillers and uh, you, you know how it is with us sportsmen we can never say it's, yeah, it's over uh, and so you know the the dynamo were although they were in the league below the mls the mls had just started up um they were actually the, the best team in the country at the time so it was a, it was a really good experience so you've seen i mean me and ed were talking about this before we before you jumped on the call and, and how the, how it's grown because we've obviously seen a lot from the us team at the moment in the world cup um, yeah, you've, you've seen this progression firsthand from those days to kind of like the MLS is 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 a really strong league now. So you've seen that progression firsthand. Yeah, you know, it, and it has been it has been a privilege for me to see that. You know, when I came out here, you know, it was it, it was not good. You know, uh, the infrastructure wasn't good. Um, there were too many people uh, having their say about things. Um, there was no direction. Um, but to see how it's progressed in the last 25 years, um, the facilities are unbelievable now. Um, the coaching has improved tremendously. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is a country that has success with all the sports that it does. It just has to figure things out. Um, you know, uh, I believe, I, I might be wrong, but I think the biggest participation in youth sports in America is soccer. Wow. And, and then, obviously, on the women's side, I mean, they're the, the best. They're, they're the best in the in the world. And you know, people always ask me the question, you know, why are the women so good and the men aren't? Well, basically, the women started up the same time as the rest of the world. You know, people forget that. You know, the men have been going for for hundred <clears throat> years. Women, when they started up, it was about the same time as the rest of the world did. So they were at the forefront of everything. So do you find do you find probably that the um the sort of view of the American public towards um soccer as they as they call it do you, do you, do you find that it's it's softened over the years because you, you know we we're obviously used to see TV shows and stuff where you know it, it was always you know you'd hear people say oh soccer's a girls game and all that sort of stuff and obviously you know it is um but it, you know it's also a man's it's also a man's game and 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 at the same I mean has has that improved and I suppose has the has the Premier League become pretty big over over in the states as well yeah Ed, you, you out on the head and you know what i'm proud of is you know um for all the great things about america they feel they want to invent everything you know i love being here i'm proud of, uh, of being you know uh, obviously football which is number one basketball baseball and then you know uh, and then hockey and you know initially when i came over here uh, the americans couldn't understand 
why soccer was so so loved and the biggest sport in in the rest of the world apart from America. And I guess I I feel is if it's a little bit of arrogance when you don't feel like you've started something or it's yeah. part of, you know then you know. But they have certainly warmed up to it, uh, uh, and um, I, I, and I think a credit to a lot of the the older uh, presenters and the, and the people involved in sports and the journalists have really taken their time to understand and get to know the game. And this, obviously the success of the women, I, I, I really put it down to the women. I think they've really propelled the game here. Um, but I also think uh, the work that the coaches have done in the youth game here have really, you know, it's a new generation now. They, we, we encourage our kids to watch watch football, soccer, and, uh, and they love it now and they understand it and the passion you know, we just uh, we just got a new MLS uh, uh, team here in Charlotte. They started up last year. They had eighty thousand people for their home game the first wow. day. You know, and you know we have a really wonderful Latina Hispanic um, population, and uh, they they provide all the fun. You know, the excitement. You know, the passion of soccer, and it's spreading to all our kids. Not only our kids, but uh, the parents as well. And I've just thoroughly enjoyed watching people kind of eat a bit of humble pie and, and, and go also like, oh, my God, I love soccer. You know, uh, yeah, my stepdaughter right now, she's just falling in love with soccer and she never even, you know, thought two, two things about soccer before. And she absolutely loves it now. Yeah. And that's great. And I mean, have you been have you been watching? Obviously, you've been watching the World Cup. I mean, I presume it's on a, obviously a different, very different time for you over there. But obviously the States are. The states are doing. I mean, the states got out of the group doing well. Yes, you know. So uh, the, 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 I think the a lot of credit is going down to the Premier League and how they they've um, marketed it over here. You know, uh, the, the 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 guys and girls on the uh, on the show, the, the EPL show, um, have become kind of little rock stars over here. You know, and. Um, the fans are just loving it, and it is just growing and growing and growing. And um, and the EPL, you know, has just got everyone so excited. Um, and as I said, I've been getting up at four, you know, for the first games at four forty-five because the yeah. first game five a.m. And you know, you know, I, I've been doing this for fifty years. You know, I'm fifty-six now. Fifty years I've been watching and playing soccer, and um, I still get up at four forty-five because I can't get <laughs> yeah. enough of it. You know, I, I think with all the, the politics that's been going on behind the scenes with, with Qatar and for all all the uh, indiscretions and, yeah. you know, um, bad press that they've been receiving, uh, when you're focused on the, on the actual the game itself, it's actually been a really fun tournament so far. So many good... The, 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 the game has come... Um, the, 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 the African nations, they have just come up so far. And, you know, I'm worried about our next game. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, the, the, the level of play from around the world, you know, the, 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 the so-called smaller countries or the least amount of experience, you know, it's so uh, comparative now. And, you know, anyone can win a game now, you know, as we saw with Argentina. Yeah, no, it's, it's been enjoyable and it's... Uh... 
it's it's definitely something that you know the USA team are taking too. So they'll obviously wish them luck as well in their in their next game as well. I mean, I mean, were you when that MLS started? I mean, I've still got visions of them taking penalties from the halfway line thing and, and everything. Yeah. Was that was that still around when you started? Yeah. So uh, that's that's too funny. Yeah. So it was uh, when I when I first came over here again. They the, the problem was they were trying to change the rules of a game that was successful around the world and and was a fantastic product and trying to change it. Now, don't get me wrong. FIFA have introduced so many great laws and changes in the rules of the game that have made it so uh, so exciting now faster, more entertaining, and it was entertaining to start with, but it's just it's just a great game to watch at home. It's a great game to watch live. But when I would come over here, they were, yeah, the, the, the 30 yard, I, I did a couple of those and, you know, they had to give me an extra second or two because I was so old, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, I was playing with kids who were, I was, my last game I was 35 and their kids were like 21, 22. And my nickname was Papa Smurf, you know, <laughs> everything. But yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you had like seven seconds or something like that. or And you had to go and, and one with one with a keeper from 30 yards. Yeah. And uh, that, that soon got um, stopped. But, uh, uh, you know, when I started doing my coaching licenses over here in, in, in 98, 97, 98, 99, um, Again, they had no identity, you know. They were trying to copy, you know, one week it was a French federation, the next week it was the the, 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 the English FA. And, and, and what they've done recently is just figure out, they just got to have their own identity. And, um, you know, they'll get it right because they're Americans. They got the, they got the numbers, they've got the money, and uh, now they've got the right people in place, Um I think they're going to be scary in the next 10, 20 years. Yeah. That's no, interesting. I, I agree. We, I'm looking forward to, to the next World Cup. Um, let's take you back, though, because um, it was a far cry from the from your your beginnings, uh, Bobby. Where you started yeah. non-league and then you ended up in Norwich. What do you remember about that progression, first of all, for coming from non-league and then signing for for Norwich City in the in the early 80s? Yeah, you know, I, I look back and, you know, I've actually been thinking, uh, I don't really think too much about my career because I'm just so in the in the moment with, with coaching. I love coaching kids, you know, it's, it's my passion. Um, but I've been watching uh, the Welcome to Wrexham um, oh, show. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which, which, which is fantastic, which um, I encourage a lot of Americans to watch because they get a real good insight into the real nuts and bolts of what it's like to be in the pro game or the semi-pro game with, with, with Wrexham in how amazing it is, how passionate it is, how crazy it is, you know. And uh, so it brought back some memories to me, you know. Uh, my first gig was, you know, I, I went for trial with Spurs. Um, I played I played left midfield. I scored two goals and the and the, and the coach said, now nah, you're too attacking minded. We don't we don't need you. Then oh, I went wow. to, then I went to Watford, uh, didn't get taken on there. And then I went to Brentford and uh, got picked up by Brentford and played as a, a youth team player in the southeast counties. Um, Ron Harris, the great Ron Harris was my, my one of my coaches at the time, you know, and uh, I learned a lot from him about, you know, the physical side of the game. Um and so, yeah, uh, and then they had a pro and dad said no, because I was getting ready to do my A-levels. And they said no, which I was obviously upset about. So um, I left Brentford, 
and uh, I was doing my, my A-levels uh, at St. Gregory's High School in Kenton, and uh, I joined Hillingdon. Um, and I remember going to Hillingdon, and uh, they had a centre forward there. His name was uh, Pierre, and uh, he, was their, they, he was their superstar, and he, he was a heck of a player, you know. And, you know, in some of these non-league teams, they have some really good players, you know. I grew up watching Wilstone. That's my home team. And, uh, you know, every night at 10 years old, I was going to watch Willstone play. And, you know, you know, Vinnie Jones, Stuart Pierce came from there. Um, and then, you know, uh, he got injured in preseason. And um, I, I played and, and uh, I played the first 12 games. I scored eight goals in 12 games. And all of a sudden there were scouts. There were a ton of scouts up there. Uh, but Norwich was smart. They came in at half time. They came in at half time during the, the during, uh, our home game and and um, kind of proposed a contract to the to manager and myself at the time. Well, to my manager first, which they accepted on my behalf, and then um, and that's so why I, I signed I signed for Norwich City for Ken Brown and Mel Machen. Wow. You know, um, yeah. I, I think we cool. Uh, yeah, I, I signed. Uh, right. Go on. Oh, sorry, I was just uh, sorry, just a slight delay there on the uh, on the on the call. But um, I stick to a call you in the early sort of nineties as well. Um, you first, when I first heard of heard of you, uh, Bobby, was um, you scored a goal against Aston Villa, which was on a famous video that we used to sort of see at the early nineties uh, called Race for the Championship. And yeah. You um, you scored a goal against Villa, which basically handed Liverpool um, the title. Um, yeah. And I, I just, uh, I, and I, as a kid, I must have seen that video about fifty times. I'm not, I'm not joking. That's probably just in one summer holiday. And it was always, and Robert Rosario landed the fatal blow. So your name was always, you know, was always there, Robert Rosario, Robert Rosario. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Like, do you remember that you know, well? That's, you know, uh, that's a great story because I, I do remember it well. Uh, first of all, Kenny Dalglish uh, uh, called and left a message thanking me. And uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I actually told that story because a lot of my friends over here are Liverpool fans, and I, yeah. I would tell them before, on the title again. I actually talk about that the time that I actually, and none of them believe me. I said, you know, I actually scored a tying goal, tied it three three, uh, and that cost Villa the the, cha uh, the championship, and Liverpool yeah. won it. And none yeah. of them believe. And uh, I actually remember that. I've got, I can tell you some things about that day and that the night before. And the reason why we shouldn't have tied the game, you know, is back in the day and, you know, things were a little bit different back then. There was no social media. There was no, um, <laughs> you know, so I remember we went out there. It was the hottest day on the earth. And um, we came out and we were on fire. And they had a great team at the time, you yeah. know. Um, we went 1-0 up and then... Uh, and then half time hit, and I remember Cascarino uh, uh, when we kicked off for the second half. He was literally laughing. He was best friends with Andy Townsend, and he was laughing because we were all. It was the last game of the season. We were all dragging, and yeah. we weren't looking too good. And you know they went three one up, and then um, and then Mountfield scores an own goal, and you know and the fans are going crazy because Villa think they're going to win. You know they've got one more game to play, I believe. If, if I remember rightly, and it was just a long ball over the top. And me and Mountfield went, and I scored. I had never the silence was deafening. It yeah. was, and it was great because when I went to Coventry and and, and um, 
uh, later on, you know, and being the captain of the country was a, the biggest thrill of my life. In playing Villa was always, it was fun because oh, like, they, they hated each other. And so, and not, people never forgot that. I, I would get some abuse about that. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a fun day. Yeah, amazing. I was I was watching two goals you scored this morning, actually, uh, Bobby, uh, against Southampton. One of them was a goal of the season. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's a nice interview with you afterwards as well, looking right dapper in a very oversized blazer <laughs> as well. Sign of the times as well. I mean, you, you did have the ability to pull out a, a worldie every now and then, but is that one that always sticks out for you? Yeah, you know, look, I, 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 I'm... I understand um, that I didn't score enough goals. I, I, I you know, what I'm proud of uh, is uh, playing at the highest level for, you know, I, I was 14 years back home, you know, close to 300 games. You know, I, I retired early, um, played for my country, uh, you know, and played always either in the Premier League or the First Division, um, which is the hardest league in, in the world to, to, to be successful. Uh, but I was I was a team player, and and if the stats were there where they are now, I guarantee every year I would have been right at the top of the assists. You know, my role in the team was if you ask people like Mick Shannon, I'm bringing some names up here: John <laughs> Dean, yeah. uh, Kevin Drinkle, uh, Robert Fleck, Malcolm Allen, Kevin Gallagher, Mick Quinn. I tell you who they'll tell you who their favourite player to play with was me mm. because I did all the work for them, all the hard work. And um, I enjoy the physicality of of holding the ball up, winning the ball, you know, and, and setting up goals. And so, um, yeah, I, I wish I did score more goals, um, but I played a role. And um, you know, my managers appreciated me, my, my teammates did. And uh, but yeah, scoring the goal of the season, you know, everyone here knows about it in America. So they all because <laughs> like you tell them. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the funny thing is, if you actually watch that game, uh, the, 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 right the, game. the bonkers oh, game. Yeah, the second, because the, it was the right out, uh, um, right out scored a couple of, it was a, some, some fantastic goal. Yeah. The top goal at 4 4 was another volley, but it was close in. And I think I hit that as hard. And, and uh, you know, Tim Flowers was a friend of mine at the time. We, we played on, on the England squad together. And uh, it was nice doing that against him. But, I actually had a chance with the last corner of the game. I had a header that uh, I thought I should have scored. They would have won it 5-4, but that, that was a fantastic day. Yeah, my jacket looked like um, I had shoulder pads in and all that crap. <laughs> um, as, a, as what I did, like, yeah. yeah. No, it was good. It was, it was good. It was good to see. I mean, what was I mean? That Norwich team. You were probably just before the you know the, you saw the sort of the embers of that team that went on in the, kind of the next few years and became kind of that famous team. Did did Norwich yeah. have that kind of kind of you know feel that could do something even for the size of its club? Yeah, you know, I, I was super proud of my seven years at Norwich, um, and um, I, I actually believe uh, for t the, the the sad thing was when we got banned uh, from Europe, we had actually qualified to get into Europe oh, twice. Wow. Mm -hmm. And if you look back at our results, um, I think there were two years where we finished fourth and fifth in what is the old first division now. Yeah. And we qualified for Europe, but obviously we couldn't go because of, uh, I think, the incidents with uh, uh, Liverpool and, and Juventus. And so that was really sad. But although everyone says we went on to be successful after that, and again, Jerry Goss, and, uh, you know, Jerry was my best friend when we, we, we started up together. 
And I couldn't be happier for that guy because he was a just a rock star, man, and just the nicest guy on earth and was just overlooked all the time and, and had the talent. And for him, that now they call him Jerry God. And, you know, <laughs> does everything because one of the nicest guys you've ever met. Um, and obviously the, the Bayern Munich game was massive for them. But I think our two most successful years is when um, I was there with, with, with Flecky and, yeah. and uh, uh, Tim Sherwood and, and Steve Bruce and Andy Townsend. That was a heck of a heck of a team. We could we could play with anyone. And, you know, we, we beat Man United at Old Trafford a couple of times, you know, uh, Liverpool. And, um, you know, we at the I think at one point going into the new year, we were at the top of the league. And, you know, and I think Arsenal went on to win it. But, you know, we it was a real, uh, unbelievable coach. And uh, and he picked up players, people like Ian Crook from Spurs, who were, you know, were just, you know, you know, weren't, weren't big names. Yeah, they weren't big names. And we just put a team together, you know, Dal Gordon. You know, uh, and then Flecky came, and uh, we 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 could we could play with anyone, and, and we were a really attractive team to watch. If you if you remember, we we might have overplayed a little bit. Um, so I was super proud of that 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 time we had, and and you know, getting the semi finals of the FA Cup. Uh, unfortunately, the game against Everton, you know, everyone forgets that game because of obviously uh, the sad the sad. Uh, Incident over with with Forest and um, uh, and, and Liverpool and it was a, just a it was just a really rough day all round and it's, uh, I've never watched the game. Um, there was things going on that were bigger than football then. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just a, a sad day. It was supposed to be supposed to be one of the greatest days of, of my life, and it turned out you know to be just a day to, to not think about ourselves and think about what was going on, you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then when you're, um, obviously you're at Norwich, um, you've been there a long, been there a long time, and then the call, the call comes that uh, Terry Butcher's put an offer in for you, um, Coventry City, uh, and you moved to Coventry City from Norwich City. How, how did you find that sort of transition going from one club that you've been at a long time to a completely different environment? Yeah, that that that's an interesting and that's a great question. But you know, when I was at Norwich, you know, I went from non-league, doing my A levels, making my debut at 18 years, one 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 month old. You know, whilst I'm still going to school, you know, um, I was in the youth team, reserve team, and first team. I was playing youth team, reserve team, first team in 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 the same week. You know. And then spending that time at Norwich and, um, you know, uh, I had a wonderful time. I loved living there. It was a great place to, to play football, you know, because you were kind of out the spotlight and loved it there. Um, but at, getting towards the end of my seventh year there, I just got to find a new, new thing to do. Felt a bit stale and just needed a new project or a new, you know, a, 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 a new new start somewhere. And, um you know, Man City had come in for me because Mel Mason had gone there and he wanted to bring me there. And I really wanted to go there. But, uh, you know, I ended up going to to Coventry. Now, don't get me wrong. Terry Butcher, phenomenal, phenomenal man. Um, one of the best leaders and captains we've ever had. 
um, just a, a really a, a great guy. But um, I, d- I don't think he was the greatest manager in the world. Mm. That's not a, that's not a, a, a thing on him. I think he might admit that. You know, yeah. some players don't don't transition into being great managers and coaches because it's a totally different different world. That's why I always say some of the greatest players in the world cannot be great managers because yeah. they can't understand how players can't do what they can do. Yeah, they absolutely. So going there was uh, it was um, the worst time of my career and the best time of my career. And um, when I first went there, um, they were struggling, and um, and I kind of came there to, to replace Cyril Regis, who was a legend for them. I mean, a, a legend, and you know, God bless him, he's passed away now. But and the fans hated me for that. Like oh. <laughs> they made the point where by the end of the season, uh, I was I was only there like I think maybe the second part of the season. And um, I was just miserable. The only thing that kept me going was um, I was in the hotel with um, my only my, my my only boyhood hero was Kenny Sanson, and I used to go with him when I uh, I used to go watch all the home England games, and uh, I loved him. I, I mean, I was a, I was a uh, I was more like a four. I was a, I, I was playing centre for the centre centre back, but I just loved him. I just thought he was the coolest left back ever with a most unbelievable left foot and I just thought he was a cool cat and um, maybe I had a little boyhood crush on him I don't know and the day I the day I signed for Coventry I was oh uh, he he signed as well and oh so we brilliant stayed, yeah we stayed in the hotel for six months together and um, I got to sit down with him have dinner every night and I just sat and listened and listened to all his stories because oh. That boy got some stories, and uh, they will never—I will never share them. But <laughs> can imagine. <laughs> it must have been just after because I'm a QPR fan, Bobby, and I think that might have just been after he played for QPR, actually. Yes, yeah, it, it absolutely was. Yes, yeah. and uh, what a uh, a fantastic man. Um, loved his family, loved his kids, um, and obviously, you know, I, I I did see what was going on, and uh, you know, I hope he's doing he's doing better now. But you know, Absolutely. yes, you know, sports uh, sports will will drive you to uh, things that you might not do if you're a normal person. It's a, it's a, such a high pressure. Um, stressful stressful job it's not it's not any better or any worse than any other job but when you're in that job it is it is uh it's a tough world to be in and it's it's tough to come out of as well you know that's why everyone keeps you know you know making comebacks you know tom brady god bless him man you know (laughs) yeah yeah all time he's having he's having a half season this season but it's it's um it's a drug that cannot cannot you cannot find anything else to to replicate it it's it's just such a high that you get when when things are great um and the, and the truth is i would if you ask most professionals because we're not all messies and, and ronaldo's i would say you know 60 70 percent of the time it's miserable it's hard work it's it's you know injuries bad form team ain't doing well you know fans getting on at you and and now god bless these players now we have to deal with social media yeah you know oh god yeah yeah and so um 
and I think, you know, the players are there sometimes just to be like, you know, and people say, hey, listen, you've got the greatest job in the world and you should just take everything. Yeah, but some of the abuse is just, you know, it's, it's just a bit sad. But uh, so that time when, when I when I came and then Sarah, Cyril left, I, I don't know if Cyril retired. And um, at the end of that season, I, I thought hard and long, I was just so sad. And then the greatest thing happened to me and Bobby Gould came in yeah. and... Uh, my, 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 you know, Mel Machen was, um, just, uh, just an unbelievable coach. You know, I had Don Howe as well, uh, most incredible, articulate, um, smartest, uh, soccer guy I've ever, ever come across. Um, but Bobby Gould came in and, um, the most unbelievable players manager you could ever, ever want to meet. And just knew how to get the best out of people. Had this massive personality. Um, he, he was just an alpha male that can yeah. deal with alpha males. And that's why people like Klopp are so good. You know, you've got to go in that dressing room and be the alpha male of all the alpha males. That's really hard to do. But yeah, that, guy, that guy, that guy. I was say, I'm delighted that you brought up Bobby Gould. Because it, oh, it it's one of my it's one of my favourite things from the nineties that he was on football focus and then um, you lost I think away at QPR Ashes team which was just down the corner oh, from the BBC yeah. studios and then Bobby Gould decided after the game he was I'm really looking forward to the game and then you got the news after the game that he'd resigned from Coventry yeah. I thought well how bad were you that day they lost five one <laughs> yeah I mean yeah thought <laughs> so you throw that in there Ash yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he was, um, he, 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 uh, someone, someone, uh, a fan just uh, reached out to me, a guy called uh, Rich, and he's doing a, a, a book and he just completed it. It's called uh, When the Skies When the Skies Were Blue. And it's actually on that kind of time when, when we were there with Quinny and, um, and, and Kevin Gallagher and, you know, and Phil Babb and, and people like that. And, you know, um, going into the new year, Coventry were top of the, top of the league got top of the, the the I think it was a Premier League then but we were top of it and like they'd never been the top of the league and uh he he was just he, he just did things differently I mean he's old school but he was the greatest thing to ever happen to me and he brought the zest of of life back to me and um made me feel like made me feel so uh welcomed and, and so part of it so from going to have a horrible season he took me out to forums and he knew I was struggling he took me out to forums where I had to sit in front of you know 200 fans and answer questions and 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 he believed in me and uh I actually uh, ended up playing in midfield for Coventry if you, if you remember he wow. moved me into the middle of the park and so uh my personal greatest moment is you know we're sitting in a change room and Stuart Robson uh, who's a heck of a captain, heck of a player. Um, so much respect for him. Uh, he got injured and uh, Agrizovic was injured. And so Jonathan Gould was in goal, which is Bobby's son. And um, I'm sitting in the change room and he taps on the shoulder. He said, big man, you'll lead the team out today. And, you know, I just said, good one. You know, I, you know you, good, good joke, Gaff. You know, I, I, yeah. I've never been a captain. Never been, even as a youth team player, I was never a captain. And uh, he, he squatted down and he pulled me in. He said, he said, you're a leader of men. You just don't know it. So, um, you know, so we were playing Liverpool at home. <laughs> I was like, oh, awesome. 
And uh, typically, I, I would my parents would end, and I'd walk out, and you'd usually come out the back, and you know. So this time, I'm walking out with it, with it, and I didn't even know what I was doing. I had a ball, you know, one of the kids with me, and walking out. And um, Mark Wright was the captain for Liverpool. There's a name from the past. And uh, I'm walking out, and I look up, I can see where my parents are, and I see my mum mouthing like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and so they were shocked too. And so uh, we went out and um, I believe, I think we beat Liverpool 5-1 that day. And, wow. um, you yes. know. I know the game. Yeah. Yeah, 5-1. Um, I, had, I had three assists in the game. I got man in a match. It was the greatest day of my life. And, you know, beating Liverpool any day, but 5-1. And then we went on a run. We went to Blackburn, beat Blackburn 5-2. Beat Villa 3-1 on, on Boxing Day and like and I was leading the team and and it was having the greatest time of my life and we were flying and um, you know funny story on, on Boxing Day uh, Phil Neal was the coach at the time and this is a new one on, on, on I bet you've never heard this before we're playing Aston Villa it's a it's a sellout and it is frosty cold it's, I think the game is a kickoff 12 o'clock. Phil Neal decides to take the team out for a jog around the stadium before the game. Have you ever heard of that? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, never. <laughs> so we are, we are outside running around the stadium. And the fans are even not even saying much because they're like, what is going on? And... We went for a couple of jogs around the stadium, around the outside of the of the of, of, of Highfield Road. Went went in, so embarrassed. But I don't know, maybe that just kind of calmed us down, and we were just so loose. And uh, I remember playing against uh, one of the greatest centre backs, Paul McGrath, that day. Uh, absolute legend. But I always had a good game against him, and uh, we beat him three one. Quinny scored, and I scored the third goal, and uh, it was just a. And it was a bizarre day, you know, when I tell people about that, they know you didn't. Yes, we did. We ran around outside with the fans and uh, lived to tell the tale. So, um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Um, but it was a, a really, really uh, uh, bad ending to it. And um, I think Bobby wrote, wrote uh, an article about it, um, which I was so, so... Um, uh, I don't know. I was overwhelmed by it, and I didn't know how much he thought about me, you know. And uh, and, he, and, he, and he kind of put a quote. And when they sold my captain, it, it destroyed me, you know, broke my soul. And then I think they sold Peter Nudlove, uh, who was an unbelievable player. Um, oh, Peter and Love. Now, now, Bobby, there's a name you mentioned. I mean, I, he's another player. He's very much of that era. But what a player he was! What do you remember about Peter? Yeah, first of all, uh, one of the sweetest, nicest guys you've ever met. And, you know, I, I guess if you've been fortunate enough to go to places in Africa, they're very humble people, yeah. um, they're very appreciative of, of everything. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the game has changed so much with how many international players there are, you know. You know, there are teams now that probably could compete in the World Cup, you know, yeah. uh, and City or something like that because it, they're just full of internationals. So, you know, having someone from Africa play from Zimbabwe playing with us was uh, an experience, you know, and um, he was just a, uh, uh, I think he, he he's basically like uh, revered as a God back in his country. Yeah. He was that. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, just uh, so, so technical, so fast. Quick. Yeah, so quick. I remember him being so quick. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, at that time we had him and we had uh, John Williams, who was the, the fastest postman in, in, in the... <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> and so we had those two guys on the outside. And so we, we had this incredible amount of pace and uh, yeah, just, a, just a great... His nickname was Nuddy. And um, I think Nudelov maybe means uh, elephant. In... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there was a, I, I think, uh, you know, recently that there was a, an accident. I think his, his, his brother passed away. Really? Um, yeah. When, when he, I think he was actually maybe driving. There was a, a horrible accident that they had. So I just can't imagine what he went through. But just a, a, a beautiful young man and, and, and just, just loved Love football and was always smiling and always happy and had no, you know, he had no ulterior motives and to, to play football, you know. Mm, yes. I must say, at this point, Ed had to leave us. Um, he's he couldn't he's had to go shoot off somewhere, so it's leaving just me and Bobby to finish off. And um, before we do, Bobby, there's a section of your career I have to talk about, and it's you moved from Coventry soon after that um, to Nottingham Forest. I think it was in the sort of the spring of the first Premier League season. In fact, uh, how did that move come about? And I mean, it's such a I see that's such a vital season in Forest history because it was obviously the last season of Brian Clough, the season they got relegated. How did that all fall into the mix, and and how was that for you? That move to to what was a famous club at that time? Yeah, for for, for me, it was a really difficult time. You know, um, yeah, I come off a season after replacing Cyril and not you know having a miserable time, and then just turning it around when 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 Goldie came yeah. and uh, when he came in. And, you know, it was the most successful time for Coventry City at the time in the in the Premier League. And we were, you know, just had such a great young team. Uh, and um, I wasn't looking to go anywhere. I'm, 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 I'm the captain of the team. We're top of the league. And it was coming into March time. And uh, uh, I finished training and I get a message to go up and see uh, Bobby uh, in his office. So I go up. I've got my training kit on. I said, down um, um, what's the effort and uh he said pack your stuff and get the heck out of here wow. and i went what you know and but and, but uh, a, a, a very humorous man sometimes you know he plays some little tricks on you and i'm like yeah. you know good good one oh so you know we've we got a game saturday and he said and then he had this deadly look and his uh, serious look at his face and he said just pack your stuff and get out of here you're we sold you at nottingham forest the club needed some money and uh, we've we've sold you, and I'd never seen him wow. look that way before. And uh, he basically just told me to get out of there. So I went downstairs, and I'm sitting there with you know my, my best buds, which are uh, Phil Babin, uh, Lee Hurst, and Andy Pierce. And uh, I said, guys, I'm. They just sold me. And so it was March time, and we were. I think at the time you might have to look at the records. I think we were in fourth place. It's March, yeah. Coventry, and Forest were dead bottom they'd sold teddy uh a, a bit i think at the beginning of the season yeah and the idea was to, to sign stan collymore and myself uh at the same time uh, unfortunately there was some hold up with stan's uh signing uh he, i think he was at um south end i think at the time yeah. Think, yeah. right and with a hold up so it ended up just me going and him not going well i mean they forest were basically relegated so 
I'm going from a team that's in fourth place and going to a team that's releg basically relegated. They were like um, nearly mathematically relegated. So, and I had no say in it. Mm. And um, it, it was a, probably the saddest moment in my time because I was loving, I was loving being at Coventry. I loved the whole, fa the, uh, the whole family thing there. Won the fans over, you know, and just really enjoying life. And you don't get many times in your soccer career where, or your football career where you're just really content. And I went from that to like, you know, I was just, I was just confused. And, and I think uh, they sold, I think they sold uh, Kevin Gallagher after that. And oh, yeah. maybe, maybe Peter Nudlov as well. And I think that's when uh, Bobby resigned and uh, he wrote a big article and he said, you know, I, I can't, I can't, manage a team when the board keep selling our players yeah. and you know they eventually finished went from fourth to 11th and so it kind of worked out that they lost as much money as they made from me by going down the positions because you got money, money yeah, you know? yeah. and so it really did turn out but the, you know apparently they were they were in debt and so they had to you know um and it, it was a sad time so you know, I went to Forest and, you know, we were relegated within a couple of weeks of being there. And, and then so, you know, but Frank Clark did an amazing job uh, of getting the team back up. He made some good signings. Um, and they had a good nucleus there. They just, you know, Stan, you know, Stan turned it around. He, you know, the boy could score for fun, um, you know. Um, so, you know, they went down and came back up, up again. So that, it, it, it was good there. But I, you know... Um, for for me, it was a, there, there was a great story for you know Stuart Pierce. You know, I I played against him. I you know everyone knew his reputation, and um, I actually always use it with my kids that I coach about how you can fool people. Uh, you know, the, the soccer field is, is a stage, and you can be whoever you want to on that field. And you know, when your nickname's Psycho, and you've got five kids. You know, and he played like a thunderous, like, you know, he was all in every time. But if you really knew him, he was a very articulate, yeah. very funny and, and, and very reserved person off the field. He had a great sense of humour and one of the nicest guys. And so he basically fooled everyone. He scared most people before they, they even played against him because he figured out that's how you do it. And uh, so we became really close. I uh, became really close with Ian Wone um, and, um, and, and, and Daichi, you know, uh, Sean Daichi, you know, because yeah. they were a uh, uh, Forest Apprentice and then and, and, and Stuart. Um, and uh, the, the really cool story is we were actually, we went to school side by side. We were school rivals. Oh, right. I at, okay. I was at St. Greg's. He was at Claremont. There was a park in between where they used to meet and fight. <laughs> and uh, and then and he, he was also a, a, a former Wildstone boy, which is yeah. my town. So um, so it kind of all tied in, and um, you know, I, I mean, I, I had some great relationships uh, I, I built up there, um, and, and enjoyed myself. But um, then I started my, my knee my knee injuries, which were you know just caused me just you know. Yeah, just terrific amount of pain, and I had several operations. And you know, it's it's part of it's part of it's part of soccer. You know, um, I don't know anyone who isn't affected by injuries. It's how you overcome them. You know, what was Brian Clough like at that point? Because I suppose that 
you saw him in his very last innings and going into that, I must have, it must have been a different kind of experience for you rather than, you know, the years and years of stories and the, you know, the personality. What was he like in that, in those final few months? Yeah, he, 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 his, his legacy and his personality and who he was, was as big as anyone, you know, you could probably put him alongside people like Alf Ramsey yeah. and people like that. And, uh, you you know, he, he, and, and unfortunately, I came in, uh, and everyone's very well aware of his issues that he had, and I'm not going to talk about that because it it'll take away from what a fantastic manager. And he he proved that you could be uh, left or center, you could be um, you could you could succeed by being your own man and doing it your own way, and not giving uh, a care in the world of what people thought about you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess for me, the best managers uh, and coaches, uh, first of all, they were articulate. Their IQ was really, really high. Uh, but they had really good per, uh, people skills. And um, I guess to be, you have to be the alpha male of alpha males, you know, yeah. Klopp at Liverpool, you know, he got some superstars there. He has to be the man, you know, and and so you have to have people skills. You have to have a great sense of humour. You have to be articulate and, and you have to be as tough as old boots. And he was all of those and more. And um, just, you know, my my first game, we're, we're away at Crystal Palace. I haven't even met him. You know, when we did the signing, the, 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 the general manager did the signing, yeah. I... I don't think he actually knew my name. He called me Big Fella all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting in the changing room and we're getting undressed and he's got his cricket ball because he loved his cricket. Mm. Well, you had to change looking at him because every so often he would throw it at you Jeez. and you'd have to catch it and throw it back at him. <laughs> and I just found that so... I was just blown away. I had never come across that. And, you know, I, and I, who am I to question what he's doing? So when he threw it at me, I caught it and threw it back at him. So, you know, um, but, you know, if you, if you know enough people who knew him, there's uh, a million stories about him uh, and it's well documented, you know, just for me, uh, I, it was, it was, it was tough. I mean, I, I, I you know, the story goes, I was his last signing and I think I, I, I was one and put him over the edge, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know that, so don't blame yourself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, look, you know, he, 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 he's a, a legend and um, just, a, you know, just one of the biggest characters ever to, to be part of, of, of football. And, you know, you know, again, I, I'm just a, I'm just a, a, a blue collared boy from from Wildstone. Um, had a, a German mum, Anglo-Indian dad, uh, grew up loving football and and really got to travel the world and meet the most amazing people through 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 the, the game of, of football. And there's plenty of people I'm so grateful to, you know, Ken Brown and Mel Machen. Um, you know, you know, they changed my life and you know, I spent 14 years you know, and most of those years were in the Premier League or the old First Division. Um, you know, and the, you know, I, I don't care who you are. If you say you don't have any regrets and you you don't, if you could go back, you could change a couple of things. 
you, I don't care who you, you yes you would you would do, absolutely do that you know um I remember Ken when when I first signed for for, for Norwich um, he played at West Ham and I and I believe he played with Bobby Moore correct if you check the I think yeah and he tried for the first year he tried to convert me to a center back he's like big man you would be the best center half he said I, and I know cuz I played there and I, I was always, nah, nah, I've never played there before. I don't want to play there. But as I got to the uh, the end of my career, I started playing centre-back and sweeper. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, I enjoy this. This is easy. Okay. This, is, Yeah. And so, I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed playing there. I actually did play, we had a couple of injuries. We played Luton Town, I remember. And uh, both centre-backs were, were injured. Steve Bruce was injured and, and Dave Watson. So, Ken said, you're going to play centre-back today. And, and by the way, you're marking Mick Harford. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. I'll see, I'll see today if, if, if I can play in his position. And, uh, yeah, we, we tied 0-0. Zero, zero. I didn't give wow. him a kick. And, uh, but he had a few bruises, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It, when he, he and I were jumping up for, 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 for the headers, you know, this, it, the big shadow came across the stadium. It was it was. <laughs> yeah. He was a big lad. Uh, he was a strong, tough boy, you know. Um, but yeah, so you know, um, you know, I, I, I think looking back when I came over to America, I, I came over here and I played because you know I, I had a hole behind my kneecap and I, I was playing on painkillers, um, and so I, I moved and played. I played centre back and I actually played sweeper as well. Had a lot of young kids around me doing my running for me, um, and you know. You know, whether you're Franz Beckenbauer or Bobby, those guys weren't the fastest players in the yeah. world, but were really quick thinking and their positional play was amazing. And so, you know, the really great centre-backs look like they're walking. You know, Van Dyke, he doesn't look like he breaks sweat. Cool his around, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that all comes from a high IQ again, you know. A very 90s thing, though. You had a few of those centre-backs who became strikers and vice versa, because you had like Chris Sutton... Yeah, Paul Warhurst, they Dion Dublin a bit later. So he's there. There have been some similarities. You, you're bringing up some great names, Dion Dublin. <laughs> what a fantastic young man! I, I knew him when he, we were at Norwich. Yeah, it's another great story. He came. He came from Cambridge to us, or, or uh, maybe it could have been South End, but Norwich didn't fancy him one bit. That is a big mistake right there. Yeah. You know, he went on to yeah. Cambridge, then he went on to Man U and Ancoffrey yeah. and, and and is it Villa? And, yeah, uh, made for England. And, yeah. Yeah, and then um, uh, you brought up someone else. Who was the, uh, Paul the other? Uh, sorry, Paul oh, Chris Yeah, uh, here's a great, <laughs> great story. First five million pound player. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. he was my, my 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 boot my boot boy. Oh, was and, he? <laughs> yeah. And he, he's a, he's another uh, uh, a good friend, with, uh, a good relationship with him, and. Uh, you know, I always tell the story of my kids. Like, hey, yeah, the first five million pound player had to clean my, my boots. And he, he hated it because I had size 12 feet. And he Ooh. said, I, he's like, I've got a boot to clean, Bobby. <laughs> did, did you tip him well, though, Bobby? That's always the question I ask. Did you give him a good Christmas tip? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, Bobby, before I let you go. Um, and quite interesting, because I always ask, we always ask this question to especially people of that era. I mean, and you're quite interesting because you came in the 80s did you start to just notice the change in those early 90s periods because we always say on this show 90s is kind of the decade that changed football and very much with the Premier League did you start to notice it in those early days the changes that were becoming to make what the Premier League has obviously now become 
Yeah, absolutely, Ash. You know, uh, you know, first on a personal side, you know, I kind of, you know, we always want to, you know, look after your security and your financial future. Yeah. The, the money started just changing as I retired. And, you know, it was it became where if you were a player in the Premier League, you were probably set for life. You know, the, the money is astonishing. Um, yeah, the, 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 the big big change was the change in rules, you know, to change a game into a more fan, fan-friendly fan game. And, and, and I think they've done a brilliant job with it, you know. Um, you know, I look back in the, in the 80s, there was, you could get away with things that you can't get away with now. Um, First of all, with the amount of, you know, back in the day, um, to, to watch a live game was, like, really rare. You know, yeah. sometimes it was like, well, the, the FA Cup final, and you'd wait all year to watch that. Mm. You know, now I can turn the TV on and watch 20 different games in you know, 20 different countries. And, uh, and so you, you would have the big match and match of the day, and if you got on that, it was exciting. It was the highlights from that, you know, with Jimmy Hill and then and Brian Moore. Um, and and so the accessibility for the fans, the change in the rules that make it a more, a faster pace, a more entertaining, uh, a more enjoyable experience. Um, and, I, and then I think the seriousness of, of, of the players, you know, I, I kind of refer to it, and this is not an insult, it was a little bit like a, a an old boys club back in my yeah. day. It was, you know, you you played hard and you partied hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of things that you could get away with back in the day that you just can't do now because you have to be an elite athlete. You are, you know, when my son turned pro, uh, my son turned pro uh, with uh, well, he, he he went to England and and. Yeah, yeah, he, he he he's a fantastic goalkeeper. He he signed an apprenticeship with with Reading. Uh, were there two years. Went to Huddersfield, turned pro with Huddersfield, made his debut for the U18 national team over here, and was all set. He went with the first team at Huddersfield, uh, and then he went to Brighton. He was going to go and sign for two years with Brighton, and then uh, Chris Hutton got fired. And that changed everything. And then he came over here and, and signed for Atlanta United, which is a top MLS club here, and then blew his ACL out. And, wow. uh, but, you know, so what I saw is every day, you know, they wear um, a heart monitor. They would, wear, they would, they would do a, 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 a pee test in the morning. And if they weren't hydrated, they had to hydrate before they train. They had a nutritionist. Um, they had video analysis. They had sports psychiatrists. They had every accessible thing you need to be a successful footballer. You know, what I had was the physio with this bucket of water and a sponge. You know, so I think now the players are, uh, are monitored better. Most of them have their own personal manager and people who look after their uh their well, well-being, you know, the, the guys back in the day were, you know, as soon as they finished training, were going to the, the bookies or they're going to the race course or going to the snooker hall. And, but you didn't know any different. You didn't know any better. You had no one advising you. And I think the game has changed where it's, it's, such, a, it's such a financially massive institution that 
you have to take things seriously because there's a lot of money at, at stake. And so, you know, the players are... And, then, and on the flip side of it, Ash, I don't think the players are accessible as they were back in the day. You know, I think they're very... You know, you can barely get into a training ground now, you know, without, you know, going through five five security checks. Probably if somebody works in a in football media, I can I can clarify that for sure. That, that yeah, <laughs> there is there are many loopholes you have to go through these days. And 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 I'm sure you've come through it as well, Ash. So I'm sure you you see the same things that I, I'm seeing. And you know, there's a lot of good, but I mean, what you, do you see the same kind of things? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, the accessibility and is definitely one of them that I agree with. And it's 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 almost a different game now. It's a silly thing to say, but like when you look at because we always say how the nineties it felt more like you say like an old boys club, but us it was felt like more they were more just next door. They were the blokes next door used to go and play football yeah. on Saturday. Now they're kind of they're you know I think that you know the, the Ryan Giggs factor from that era that kind of propelled it into no they're pop stars they're superstars they're untouchable yeah. things like that and it's. Yeah. I miss that charm. I mean, at the same time, you know, the, the shiny product that we have now is amazing because it's, you know, yeah. arguably the best league in the world. But that kind of almost quaintness of the 90s kind of yeah. I miss that of, of it. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes we're all uh, guilty of seeing things through rose tinted glasses. Oh, totally. it's a, this whole podcast is about that. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I love that you are doing this, Ash, because it's still, you know, you, you, look, if you put if you put Brian Robson in today's environment, he would be an absolute rock star. You put, you know, um, there were players that I played with. You know, like my first uh, midfielder behind was Asa Hartford, who played for Scotland, was a fantastic player. You put him in this environment now with the conditions that they have, the 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 the, the pitches are manicured. You, you you wouldn't know if it was August or May or the condition of the fields. And we played in some like like ploughed fields sometimes. And so, you know, the 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 game, you know, sometimes you play with one ball, you know, and it went in the car. I think I talked about this earlier, the ball went in the crowd, sometimes you wouldn't get the ball back. Now they've got like twenty balls around uh, around the field. But um I, I I'm a little bit envious because, you know, they they have uh, everything geared up for success and a, and a support system and an environment that is conditioned to that. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, we didn't kind of have that. But, you know, it's not going to take away from the, the, the great, you know, I, I always feel like the real real men played back in the 80s and 90s, you know. And now, you know. Nick Harford's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know, they, I look back at some of the centre-halves I played against, like the Paul McGraths of this world, yeah. man. He you know, brilliant. he was brilliant without having knees. Like his knees yeah. went, and he was still brilliant. <laughs> he, absolutely, you know. And you know, I, I remember the first time I played against Tony Adams. You know, he was sixteen, I was seventeen. He was already he was already playing in the first team for Arsenal. And I'm like, this guy is a monster, you know. Yeah. And uh, but uh, you, you know. The game is amazing now. The only unfortunate thing is because so many internationals come and play in the Premier League, I think it takes away from our young English or, or British players. Um, a lot of them end up playing in the Championship and they don't get that same opportunity. Um, you know, but uh, I don't think it's affected uh, our national team because we st st still seem to be uh, successful. Well, 
We're recording this as, you know, before the England-France game. So we could say it could be coming home, Robbie. So, you know, we, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, again, I think there's an expectation of this country that is so high. It's, you know... I think uh, uh, the manager's done a great job, Southgate. I think he's really, you know, he's been successful, you know, but again, he's going to get criticised no matter what he does, you know, and, uh, you know, um, I've, been, I've been doing youth coaching here for 25 years and, uh, and I, when I meet the parents, I always tell them I have one of the hardest jobs. It's not better than anyone's job. I love my job. I love being a teacher, but I deal with people's kids the parents' money, sports, you throw in religion and I've got the, 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 the whole package there, you know. So I'm dealing with the most difficult things because, you know, sports is subjective. You know, everyone has their opinion, I'm dealing with money and then people's prized possessions. So my job is like sometimes walking a tightrope, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, and that's why we love sports, Ash, you know, because we all, we, we, we can do a, a good job and, you know, and people have their opinions for, you know, good or bad and it's all subjective and, you know, uh, including me. You know, I sit there and question some of the decisions made, you know, but, you know, uh, I'll never stop loving it. Brilliant. Well, Bobby, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and go that, back down that walk down that memory lane of the 1990s and, and that. So thank you very much for joining us. All right, Ash. Thank you very much and say hi to Ed for me. Yeah, we'll do. Good luck with uh, all the all the coaching as well. All right, thank you, brother. Yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers.